0: A few years ago, New York Magazine interviewed several former inmates who had spent lengthy times in prison for crimes that they did not commit, and they were asked to describe their first hours of freedom. I want to share just a couple of those that stood out to me. One was a man by the name of Jeffrey Deskovich. He was 41 years old. He spent 16 years in prison. He was freed on September 20th of 2010. He said, at times I wasn't quite sure whether I really was out and free. I felt like a finger was tapping me on the back and saying, what are you doing? They belong out here, but you don't. They don't really realize that you don't. So I just did something that I wanted to do for a long time. I wanted to sit outside in the nighttime and not have to go inside. I could see the stars. I could see the lights on in some other houses. It wasn't a minor thing. Those things had been taken away from me for so long. And then another man, Derek Hamilton, age 49, spent 21 years in prison. He was freed on December 7th of 2019. He writes, the day I walked out, my wife, my nephew, and my son were in the car waiting for me when I was in jail, excuse me, waiting for me. There, there was a church right around the corner. I would always listen to the bells ringing when I was in jail. I didn't even know where the church really was, but I would pray when I could hear the bells. It was my only opportunity to pray at the same time people on the outside were praying. When I got out, that was one of the first things I wanted to do, just go around and pray in that church. I went in and I thanked God for my release. Going into that church was like being born again. And so though each of these men had been wrongfully convicted, their first taste of freedom is really no different than that of the guilty or even of those of us who have been forgiven by Christ. And so this morning, what about you? How would you describe the freedom that Christ brings into your life? Today, our message focuses on the true nature of freedom as described in Paul's letter to the Galatians. Listen to these words from Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, where Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again. To a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. And so throughout our study of Galatians so far, we've learned that Paul emphasizes Christ's death takes away fear and how God provides lasting forgiveness and restoration, not just for a day, but for eternity. We are set free by Jesus. We have freedom, but freedom from what? As followers of Christ, We must be on guard for what we might call freedom thieves. Freedom thieves are the thoughts and the ideas and the philosophies that replace our true freedom in Christ with counterfeit freedoms offered by this world. For the Galatian Christians, the freedom thieves were the Judaizers who sought to enforce the Old Testament laws and rules and regulations on these new Christians and sidetrack them from their true freedom in Christ. Today, I want to focus on two modern freedom thieves that can sidetrack us from our true spiritual freedom if we're not on guard. As Paul says in verse 7, you were running so well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from he who calls you. And so Satan seeks to infiltrate our lives and steal our true freedom and replace it with a counterfeit freedom. And the first thief of true biblical freedom that I want to speak about this morning is liberty. That sounds a lot, doesn't it? That liberty could be a thief of biblical freedom. Here in America, we have a love affair with a God that we might appropriately name liberty. I call this the, the Burger King philosophy. You can have it your way. And so we have come to believe that our own personal rights and freedoms are sacred and holy and even at times worthy of our worship. And this, if we're not careful, can become a false view of our true biblical freedom. It can become an intoxicant in our culture, and it can even creep into the Lord's church. And so, let me give you a few examples. My political party, red or blue, donkey or elephant, it has all the answers. And by the way, yours is completely wrong. My preferred candidate is completely good and yours is completely evil. My right, my right to wear a mask or not, to own a gun or not, to cut down a tree or not, to, well, you fill in the blank. My right to do or not do any of these things is what defines me. It is my passion, it is what I read about, it's what I post about on Facebook, it's what I argue about, it's what I I make or sever relationships over. It is my right, it is my liberty, and I will defend it. Folks, when will we be as passionate about Jesus and about his overwhelming grace and his compelling purposes and his desire to save this world as we are about our personal rights? Paul begins chapter 5 to the Galatians with a, a clarion call not to lose their freedom. He says, freedom, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, the most basic and crucial life choice for every person is the choice between slavery and freedom. Because we are either slaves to sin and the world and our own brokenness, or we are free in Christ to pursue His purposes for us. There is no middle ground. Paul tells us what we must do to maintain our freedom. He says, Stand firm. Stand firm, not in your opinions. But stand firm on the gospel. Stand firm on Jesus. Don't submit to the slavery of anger or resentment. Don't submit. Don't submit to the slavery of needing to be right or win every argument. Don't submit to the slavery of man-made philosophies or political ideologies or real or imagined conspiracies. Instead, stand firm in Jesus alone. And so how do we stand firm in our spiritual freedom when we live in a world that is self-indulgent? You know, every day, tiny decisions come our way to become selfish, to have our own way. And tiny decisions can have enormous consequences. And so Paul reminds the Galatians and he reminds us, if you give in to the false freedoms of this world, then the work of Jesus and his sacrificial death and the power of his resurrection, as he says in verse 2, is of no advantage to you. That is a sad state to be in. The Galatian Christians were beginning to drift. They were beginning to drift from the values of Jesus. They were beginning to drift away from their moorings of truth and the doctrine of grace. And they were going back to a rules-based religion of performance and law. Today, we are in the same danger of drifting from those very same moorings. But our replacement is a bit different. It's our personal freedom. And so we are replacing truth and grace with personal opinions and political affiliations and misplaced hope in people or in movements. These are the freedom thieves that we must be aware of and on guard against, lest they steal our hearts, our passion, and our focus away from Jesus and on to temporary or secondary issues. And so the first thief of our spiritual freedom is worldly liberty. And then the second thief of our biblical freedom is apathy. Apathy is a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. In verse 5 of our text, Paul wrote these words, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. And so this morning I ask you, what are you eagerly waiting for? What excites you? What motivates you? What stirs passion in your heart, in your soul? Is it an election, a candidate, a cause, a right? You see, we give up our biblical freedom when we direct our passion and our eagerness and our hopes to things outside the kingdom of God. God. When we are more excited or more agitated about sports or finances or politics than we are about his church, then apathy begins to steal our spiritual freedom. It's like the wife or husband who is more interested in a career or a hobby or other people than they are about their spouse. Soon, apathy robs that marriage of its intended purpose. Brothers and sisters, we are the bride of Christ. And our spouse, the Lord Jesus Christ, deserves our full interest, our complete enthusiasm, and our deep concern. Not our apathy, not our leftovers, and not our misplaced loyalties. The Boxer Rebellion, was an anti-foreign uprising that took place in China between 1899 and 1901. During that period of time, thousands of Chinese Christians were killed. There was a nationwide effort to snuff out any foreign influences in China that were political, cultural, economic, or religious. Though the rebellion was relatively short, the intense persecution it started persevered for years most notably under the later communist leadership of Mao Zedong. During that period of time, there was a Christian evangelist. He called himself Epaphras, and he was a young man during the early years of Chairman Mao's reign. He refused to sing the party songs or salute the chairman's picture or show his allegiance to any other leader other than Christ. Of course, Epaphras was soon arrested And he was sentenced to life in prison. A guard one day asked him why he was so happy all the time. Flashing his characteristic grin, Epaphras said, didn't the Lord tell me from the beginning to give up everything and carry the cross and follow him? This is the Lord's way. I am following him on the same path. Why should I be upset? Why should I complain? This is my biggest blessing. Eleven years after Chairman Mao died, Epaphras, now age 62, was surprised when prison officials one day set him free. But he soon discovered the reason for his sudden release. The court cheated me, he said, by changing my record to show that I had recanted my belief in Jesus. And so his response Epaphras rented a cell-like room not far from the doors to the prison. And he kept himself under house arrest. If I stay in jail, he insisted, they will know I have not turned against my Lord. And then Epaphras went one step further to show how serious he was about not recanting. He fasted five days a week, always smiling, He would say, if I die from fasting and living under house arrest, then I die as a criminal, just like my Lord Jesus Christ. After 15 years, 15 years of fasting, Epaphras died at the age of 78, having made an emphatic, brave statement that true freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. Believers all across China celebrated his life and they mourned his death. And so, folks, what about us? Are we going to choose spiritual freedom over the false freedoms of this world? Earlier in Galatians, in chapter 2, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, if we truly claim Jesus as Lord, when God looks at us, he doesn't doesn't see our sin or what we've done in the past. He sees his Son He sees Jesus covering us. It's like Christ is our clothing. And we must then come to realize he is our only hope. He is our only freedom. Not a political party or a nation or a movement. Not a politician or a philosophy. Not a bank account or a career or a relationship with a person or a family. Can we, like Epaphras, say, this is the Lord's way. I'm following him on the same path. Why should I be upset? Why should I complain? This is my biggest blessing. And so today, instead of being upset, instead of complaining, instead of focusing on the events of the world around us, may we choose together the joy The joy of the freedom of Jesus over any so-called freedoms that this world has to offer.